This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 58, Your Urban Legends, part five. We're back, y'all. We're back. Less about spaghetti. So in case last episode wasn't your thing, uh, here we are again with more stories. But who doesn't like spaghetti? I don't know. It's my least favorite pasta, I think. What? Why? Do I just look really betrayed for a second? Why? Why is it your least favorite pasta? It doesn't hold sauce very well, and it's it's like complicated to eat. She's just shaking her head sadly. I can't believe this. <laughs> this is the end of our friendship. You're uh, hearing it live on the podcast. Do you know whose friendship we haven't ended? Uh, our new patrons. Our new patrons. It's just started. Yeah. Welcome to Lisa, Cheryl, Connor, Willard, and Laura. Thank you so, so much for joining us on Patreon. And as always, to our supporting producer-level patrons. Neil, Chandra, Philip, Julie, Sarah, Josh, Eeyore, Mercedes, Sandra, Robert, Lindsay, Phil, Catherine, Ryan, and Deborah. I'm not going to lie, it's been a while since we recorded this episode, and I don't remember any of the stories we did, so I can't give our patrons a wonderful thing that they are. They are the, like, they are the New Year ball confetti of our hearts. Okay, that's fair. That's a good one. As are our legend-level patrons, Leanne, Erin, Ashley, Shannon, Cammie, Cassie, and Ashley Marie. Yay! Welcome. Thank you, Ashley Marie, for distinguishing yourself from the other Ashley. We appreciate it. That was Ashley's username. I don't know if that's what they go by in everyday life, mm-hmm. uh, but we are going to call you Ashley Marie until told otherwise. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, over on Patreon, we have a very funny goal inspired by our last hometown episode to go to Akron, Ohio and visit the Spaghetti Warehouse, which I really want to do. We're actually getting kind of close to that goal. We are. Are we like less than $300 away from Spaghetti Warehouse uh, at this point? Yes, we are. We that's- are insane and julia is going to be very close to visiting ohio for the first time guys i don't i I was about to say i don't know if i want to go to ohio but if you guys are paying for it i'll go anywhere you want (laughs) (laughs) we would also like to thank this week audible for sponsoring us again you can visit audible.com slash spirits or new new uh uh, thing alert here you can text the word spirits to 500 500 for a 30-day trial and your first book is free with audible that's super cool I, I love it. I love being able to text Audible and get free stuff from it. That's I know. Amazing. Occasionally on the subway, like the, the um, you know, LTE will be spotty, but your text will be fine. So you can text it and then get the URL that you can then open later when you get LTE service. There you go. So easy. Love it. Um, and Joels, what were you drinking during this episode? I got a coffee from Starbucks around the corner because it was very cold outside. Yes. And then I dumped a bunch of brandy into it. You did. I did indeed. It foamed weirdly. It foamed weirdly. Like Aphrodite's birth story. Yes. Hey, creepy foam. Love it. And I was drinking Bullet, uh, which is my Christmas present from my dad. Literally like more than a liter of Bullet. It's the biggest glass bottle I've ever owned. I'm very excited about it. Uh, In apple cider, because fall never ends in the McLaughlin household. I'm actually excited for you to finish that bottle and then see what you do with it, because you're very crafty. Yeah, uh, I'm considering many possibilities. I don't want to commit too early. Okay, solid choice. There is still like five, six of that bottle left. Uh, don't judge me. It may be over sooner than you expect. Uh, I'm not judging. I would never judge. I know. We don't really do dry January, but, uh, but good luck to those who are. <laughs> we do and not do dry January. <laughs> Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Happy New Year, guys. I am just super excited, and I hope that your new year is just a thousand times better than the last one. I don't care if you had a good year or not. Yep. A thousand times better than last year. It won't be that hard to achieve a like three orders of magnitude change in how good your year is. I believe in you. Yes, we do. As a reminder, on Friday, our new podcast begins. It's called Way Station, a Lost Girl fan cast. And Jules and I are just so excited to bitch about wigs and and costumes so way wigs. more than we usually do. Oh, God, it's going to be so good. Actually, a lot of you are super excited about the podcast already, yeah. and that makes us excited. I know it does. And especially if you subscribe now, it'll help us on that first day that the new episode comes out to really, you know, rocket up the charts to the extent that we can to get some attention, get some momentum. Uh, It's more exciting to do podcasts when there are people listening, which is why we're very thankful for you. And also why we would love for you to check out Waystation. You don't have to know the show. You don't have to like the show. We are kind of iffy on both, but it's going to be a really good opportunity uh, to to watch stuff with people you like and to sort of focus on something fun for, you know, 45 minutes uh, every other week. Yeah. 
and I think we should spell that for folks. So yes. it's W-A-Y-S-T-A-T-I-O-N. Just search that in your podcatcher and you'll find us. Waystation, because Eric is good at SEO. Yes. Just find it. It's all one word. You're great. We love you. We do love you. And we hope that you enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 58, Your Urban Legends, Part 5. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to our fifth edition of Hometown Urban Legends. This is Order of the Phoenix, uh, Order of the Urban Legends, where um, I'm very angsty. We have all sort of decided to, like, find deeper relationships in our lives. I rediscover a godparent I didn't know I had. Uh, there's a fight in a mirrored hallway in a government bureaucracy. A lot going on. You're putting a lot on this episode. <laughs> I also think that that's the quickest we've gotten to a Harry Potter reference. Like, just um, right off the yes, gate. It is 100%. <laughs> it's a Harry Potter cold open. I actually just wanted to spend a, like a minute saying how much I enjoy doing these. I just oh, yeah. listened to the one that's going to come out this, w- not the Wednesday that these listeners are going to hear this episode, obviously. A month ago. But a month ago, basically. <laughs> We're recording this a month before this comes out. Time is a construct. But guys, I just love doing these. I love having Eric and telling stories. I think our dynamic is a lot of fun when we do that. Me too. It's very exciting for me personally because I met Eric on YouTube, what, like seven years ago by this point? Possibly something, longer. Something crazy like that. Possibly longer, I know. Maybe maybe even eight or nine. Um, but it was always so different, like my social circles IRL and on YouTube and all my YouTube friends knew very little about my, you know, IRL friends and vice versa. And so for my, you know, best friend from kindergarten and for, and, you know, for Eric, who is one of my very, very best friends in the world who I happened to meet online, um, to, you know, now for the three of us to like meet every month and talk about people's urban legends. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's my favorite thing. It's a lot of fun. It's like sitting around a campfire every month. It is. That's true. And we have boozy coffee and boozy booze to go along with it. Yeah, I put rum in my coffee and I don't know, but it's making me emotional. I don't know why. (laughs) Oh, no. Here we go, guys. Episode time. Oh, boy. Well, why don't you lead off our emotive queen? You got it. Uh, The first uh, listener story that we were going to read is from Jesse. And Jesse writes in urban legend question mark. The chicken footed lady. When I heard your episode about urban legends, it made me recall one that my dad had told me when I was younger. It gave me nightmares, and I often thought about it when I was out camping in the woods. So a good start so far. Let's do it, fam. When he went to military school in Tennessee, where the boys went on morning hikes, they ran across a tree that looked like lightning had hit it, burning out the bottom of it. According to my dad, it had looked like someone had had a barbecue in it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> My dad was younger at this point, and the older boys told him that what caused it was someone called the chicken footed lady. <gasps> According to dad today, quote, I don't know how much about the chicken footed lady except the fact that she has chicken feet. Okay, cool. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) However, upon recollection, he remembered that he assumed later the older boys had placed animal bones in the burnt out tree stumps. It was said that this forest witch would cook and eat children who became lost in the forest. Yes. That, in fact, he said, you could go into the forest and find a few of those tree stoves scattered across the wilderness, the charred bones marking stumps as places where the chicken-footed lady had been. Oh my God. It's really good so far. Tree stoves. I love it. Jesse writes, I decided to look further into this. Much to dismay and surprise, there was no prominent urban legend in Tennessee about something like this, but there was the Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga returns! Who has accounts of being described with chicken legs or just a singular chicken leg. I've oh. heard the singular chicken leg. I feel wait, like wait, there wait, would be... Wait, okay, let's pause. <laughs> One leg and well, that leg is chicken leg a single chicken leg <laughs> oh, no. I, no i'm not sure if that means if she has one leg and kind of hops around that's what we're asking julie it's very important well, they or don't one specify. human one chicken leg i think it might be one human we one have chicken to know. leg jesse please talk to whoever you have to talk to and get back to us I, I i need to know so described with chicken legs or just a singular chicken leg still not sure which uh like variety that is because just to dig into this image a little bit i see julie your look of disappointment as i cut you off once more so close to finishing our friendship um one singular chicken leg would be an adorable pogo stick 
but one chicken, no, no, no. one don't, human. Don't pretend that if you saw someone with a singular chicken <laughs> leg, you wouldn't be terrified of that because you no, would. I'd be like, cool. What's your story? Uh, no. I, no, yes, I, mean, I would. I would definitely be more scared of someone with a human leg and a chicken leg than one chicken leg. Because like an th- then there's nothing disjointed about it. It's it's extremely strange. I would not like it by any means, but I <laughs> I would understand chicken leg. What's Once happening? Once you've got a, I like, cannot two get different you species on, on there, that's a, that's a different game. But it already is two different species because it's one chicken leg and then a human body. It's I not know, like the like, rest of it is chicken. But it's not evenly distributed. It's about symmetry. Exactly. Like, like, like a centaur, you're like, okay, human from belly up, horse from neck down. Let's not talk about the innards and the organs. It's a little bit complicated, but like that you can wrap your head around, but like a griffin or a hippogriff or some of those fucking horrible monsters you've described to me in the past. No, I don't want some kind of like tie dye effect of like you throw a bunch of animal parts into a food processor and then what comes out is some unholy terror. The chicken footed lady was described as being wicked in some folklore. Also the Baba Yaga described as wicked in some Mm -hmm. folklore. Jesse making a point. So they say, I suspect this might be a tiny bit misremembered or there might be some truth than I realize. There might be some more truth than Jesse realizes. Um, They finish with Tennessee has its fair share of witches and spirits, but to think that the Baba Yaga is among them or was in the past is nice. It's enjoyable to see how far legends and folklore can travel and change. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Someone's grandma fills their head with, uh, you know, stories of Baba Yaga. Something creepy happens in the woods, and this is the kind of thing that happens, yeah. you know, as a yeah. result. That's like the idea of, like, old world stuff coming over to America. It's mm-hmm. literally what Neil Gaiman's American Gods is about, and it's wonderful. It's that American Gods-ish. We love it. So I have uh, an email here from Annie, who writes in um, that she is a high school student in small town Alaska. So, A, I'm already very interested. I think Alaska is fascinating, and I watch all of the Alaska TV shows. So <laughs> all of them, all of them, How about every all. single one, like four, actually, <laughs> there's, there's, there's very many. There's, there's one good Alaska show that I remember watching at 1am when I was in college. Checks out. Um, and it was about buying property in Alaska. Yes. And those would vary greatly where it's like, oh, this is a two bedroom, two bathroom house, yep. blah, 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 blah. Um, and then there would be like, this is a shack and there's a toilet outside. Yeah. Wish list is like indoor plumbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see you and Jake being on that show and just having like wildly different ideas of what is required. Anyway, but Annie writes in with a story that isn't quite an urban legend, but an urban cryptid. (gasps) Yes, tell me more. I know you like this one. It's called the Kushtaka Mm -hmm. and is a staple at campfires. It's often talked about when our middle school has its survival trip, which... Okay, let's just suspend judgment for a second and get through. I wish we had survival trips back in high school. That sounds dope as hell. Uh, The refrain for this story is life is different in Alaska. Okay, so every year since the 1970s, children will do a unit on surviving in Mm -hmm. school. Makes sense. Amazing. And then go into the Alaskan wilderness. Cool. They go on a three-night trip to an uninhabited island with whatever gear and food they can fit into a one-pound coffee can, a tarp, and some rope. Amazing. Let's just pause and think about that for a I second. I love it so That's much. That's not a lot for a no, middle no. school. Like, I, I eat a pound of food, like, as an afternoon snack. What are you snacking on? <laughs> I, I was just thinking Lots to myself, like, how much does, like, six kumquats weigh? Because that's what I had for a snack this afternoon. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but you bring flint. You bring some sort of fishing utensils or something yep yep fishing utensils utensils. Uh uh-huh that's my favorite aisle at dick sporting goods you catch your own food and you survive (laughs) you'll be fine that's exactly how every survival trip goes yes and he says that this survival trip is both heaven and some kiddos personal hell word every night there's a huge bonfire and scary stories yes so the kushtaka is like our local native skinwalker but a Mm. shape-shifting river otter I'm into it. I like this a lot. One good rule for life is do not fuck with said type of otter. Word, Annie. My mother worked at a fishing resort for a few summers when she was young and watched a half dozen otters try to get a dog to join them in the ocean. Did you not read this before? No. Oh, I read this part before. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, after a few minutes in the water, the otters drown the dog. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> otters are kind of dicks. They're adorable, but they're douchebags. Otters are only cute from afar or through plexiglass. That's Not true. so much when you're on the receiving end of those bone-crushing teeth. But, but otters hold hands in the water. Yes, they're very cute, but they're also evil. 
much like myself. I was just going to, listen, when you said they were very cute, I thought you were going to say, but also vicious. And I was going to say, just like you, I'm glad you went there. Yes, I'm glad you went always. there. Always. I understand my role in society. Normally the story starts with the person of indeterminate gender on the beach. Same. Good. <laughs> Girl, guy, or something in between, this creature doesn't discriminate. Same. It's dark out, which is not that hard to get in late afternoon. Currently, the sun sets at 3.40 p.m. Alaska's Too weird. Soon. Alaska, man, babe, are you okay? <laughs> too soon. Both of the fact that it got dark here at 4.45 today and it made me sad. Yeah. And too soon and that, that is way too early for the sun to go down. Yeah, I'm currently rocking out to a Spotify playlist that I entitled Early Dark Rock just to, like, get me the heck through those evening commutes. Sweet. I'll put a link in the show notes. So they look out at the sea, this person on the beach, and there is someone in the ocean. How odd. They don't recognize who it is at first. Then they realize it's the person who they hold dearest in their heart, Aww. neck deep in the freezing surf. Yes. This is some Bogart type shit, man. Murder them. Whoever it be, maybe a sister, a mother, a friend, or a brother, is beckoning for the person to join them in the icy waves. Mm -hmm. At first they don't, because who would? But after a few minutes in fragile silence, the person in the water doesn't stop silently asking or get out, just there welcoming them in person on the beach thinks maybe the loved one needs help and they aren't that far from shore. Hypothermia, Annie writes, is very easy to catch and the ocean floor can go from five feet to 500 feet so fast. Mm -hmm. It seems like only an arm length away. That's, uh, that's the Pacific for you. Pacific has those real big continental drops, which we don't have. Our continental shelf goes out super far here on yes, the East Coast. It does. And as my mom, the lifeguard, would tell you, uh, riptides are nothing to fuck with. They are not. Still no sound, so they start to hesitantly enter the water, but wouldn't you too? And they don't realize until it's too late. I would. <laughs> I was thinking earlier today at work, like, don't people always say, like, oh man, I had no idea that he was a, a cryptid until I was too late. Like, you hear the stories where it's like creepypasta and Specifically, stuff. I didn't know he was a cryptid <laughs> until it was too late. Is that yeah. an emotional baggage uh, story that you get quite a lot here in New York City? Yes, it is. Okay, yes, cool. It is. Just checking out. He was secretly a sewer alligator. I never knew. <laughs> I mean, the things you end up with on Tinder these days. My boyfriend was the Rat King. Story at five. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know until we showed up for the third tinder date Ooh, sorry i want to write that series of dating in new york city cryptid articles now i bet yeah. i can pitch it to jess zimmerman and be a thing Ooh, that'd be really fun yeah, or for the niche which is my favorite post toast universe website today they posted an article as of the time of recording like how to make a family of crows love you what was that article julia uh, yeah it was how to make a family yeah. of crows love you and it was just like <laughs> listen i see i see all these stories on the internet about how you know little girls make friends with crows and they just deliver like shiny objects and coins and like 20 dollar bills to people i'm like same i want to do that too yes julia which has also same i want to do that too uh i remember us leaving stuff in like the crooks of trees at elementary school remember that yeah we used to leave like shiny rocks and shit yeah yeah, yeah. our ele our elementary school was like half athletic fields and half just woods i don't know why they let us play in those woods in retrospect there was like dead animals there was, all the time it was like a it was sanctioned it was off. in but it yeah. was still like quite quite a number of woods it was nice i like it was it. really nice yeah anyway we it would leave like so much about my childhood it really does where we would like leave stuff in the trees and like look for look for bodies <laughs> We were really weird. Our neighborhood was not that bad where we were like gonna find bodies though. No, like Probably maybe not. in the abandoned middle school across the road, but not in our elementary school. Yeah. So Annie, we're returning to your story with a bang with the sentence, they don't realize until it's too late. You don't know a person's a witch until you're in their oven sweating. That's true. It wasn't the friend they thought it was. It was an otter the size of a man. Otter the size of a man. An otter the size of a man Same. waiting for a snack. Same. I'm always waiting for a snack. You can always tell a kushtaka from a half-frozen family member if they don't say a word. Oh, so this is fair. it. This is it. If the family member is yelling for help, you help them. If they are not yelling for help and just kind of beckoning you soundlessly, um, then then assume they're either one learning semaphore, which is the <laughs> the art of like art, waving flags. flags, yeah, or two um, a kushtaka. Another of the creature's tricks is to scream like a woman or cry like a child and wait for a good Samaritan. But now it's making sounds. So it's different. They're, when they're not, um, they're mimicking sound, but not mimicking speech mm, is what Annie points okay. out. So a, it would be like, ah, instead of help. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Or you're like, hey, hello, would you have for breakfast this morning just to confirm that you're not a kushtaka? <laughs> and they're like, ah! I liked your Inara <laughs> voice there. <laughs> yeah, when I go into like overly verbal uh, helping a lot, 
um, uh, slightly elf. more high pitched than your normal voice. Yeah. Yeah. Elf rogue. That's, that's Inara. Uh, Beware if before you get to a beach, just out of eyesight in the trees, you hear a whistle, not a normal whistle, but a low, high, low whistle. That is how they talk to each other. Julia, don't do that. (laughs) Don't usher them in. Anywhere near the water, we're fine. We're like one mile from the East River. It's okay. No. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. A lot of otters Uh, in the East River. And Annie just closes with... There's so many otters in the East River, you wouldn't big, believe big it. Big worry of, of summoning I mean, there them. are a lot of otters here in Astoria, but very few in the East River, actually. Is that a, is that a gay man joke? Yes. Like an, okay, yes. just checking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. An otter is like a bear, but skinny. Yes. Yeah. Annie closes with a, a personal note. So on her auntie's uh, survival trip, when her aunt was in school, um, a girl got crazy sick. She ate something bad on the beach. Like, I don't know, catching their own fucking shellfish in the survival world. Oh, like, they, yeah. Huh? It they have like oysters and shit. I don't know. Thirteen uh, year olds aren't the best at following instructions. Annie writes word. Um, so this uh, girl must not have like cooked her food properly and started vomiting. I mean, understandable. They are thirteen. It got so bad that the teacher had to radio a boat to take the girl back to the main island. Oh shit! While she was alone on the beach in the mm. pitch black night, waiting for the boat, mistake number one, she heard something. A low, high, low whistle. Oh, some douchebag in their group probably went. I never want to hear that again. Mm -hmm. Something human shaped was in the ocean that wasn't there moments before. Oh, fuck me. She didn't have time to find out what it was. For a few minutes later, the skiff showed up to take her to the ER. Fucking lucky. Maybe it was a kushtaka or maybe not. Have a lovely night, Annie. Annie, that was ominous as fuck. And thank you for sending it to us. Yeah. That was dope. I want to meet a kushtaka now. I know. Did I say that right? You did. I mean... That's how I said it, so who knows if it's right or not. Just going off you, my dude. Hey, hi, what's up? Thank you so much to Audible for sponsoring us again this week here on Spirits. Yeah, you can go to audible.com slash spirits or text the word spirits to 500-500 to get started. Audible is awesome, um, and I, I think you know why we told you last time. You can have audiobooks anywhere, anytime. The free trial is a really good way to get used to the kind of like super high quality audiobooks that Audible is known for. Um, but did you know, Julia, that Audible members every single month get a credit for any audiobook in the store, regardless of the price? And at the end of the month, if you don't use it, because let's face it, some months, you know, podcasts take precedence or you're really busy, but it rolls over. So you accrue those credits. And I didn't know that. So it's pretty cool. No, that's awesome. Did you know that you could use a bunch of different devices to listen to Audible audiobooks? And that it syncs with your Kindle. I have been big on the Kindle train this winter time. Nice. I don't know. As a podcaster, I like listening to music sometimes. But when I listen to music, I want something to do with my hands. And Sudoku gets kind of old sometimes. And crosswords, and I can't do like the words and the words. It's hard. But I can read on my Kindle and pick it up with an audiobook when I get to work. Yeah, and it's really cool because when you're switching from devices, it's super seamless. So you can go on your phone and then when you get home from your commute or whatever, uh, or you can listen to it in your car stereo during your commute. I and know, then when you cars, get, man. I know, man, it's <laughs> insane. Um, and then when you get home, you can just switch it on to your like Amazon Echo or whatever your home device is, and it's amazing. I know. I haven't been on that connected speaker grind, but I, I may at some point. Um, but best news, in my opinion, is that even if you try this trial and you think like, eh, I don't have the budget for it, or you know, not necessarily for me, the books that you get are yours to keep. Even if you cancel your membership, you can go back and re-listen anytime you actually own it, which in the in this, you know, they and age of streaming platforms is uh, is pretty cool. So to take advantage of this offer from Audible for the 30-day trial and a free audiobook, you can go to audible.com slash spirits or text spirits to 500-500. So what are you listening to this month, Amanda? Yes, I am listening to Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Nice. Uh, Liz Gilbert is a friend of My Brother, My Brother and Me, a show that we both really enjoy, um, and a, a writer of such books as Eat, Pray, Love. But she also wrote this incredible book about just being a creative person in the world. And it's called Big Magic. The name sounds kind of hokey. So just like suspend disbelief for a minute. But it actually is one of the books that helped me start this podcast um, and decide to, you know, give like attention and respect to my creative impulses. So I'm really grateful for that. And I think it will be really helpful and interesting to listeners, especially in this kind of new year, you know, new vibe of like getting your priorities straight, getting your project started. Uh, my recommendation comes from a different vein of how to spend your new year, and that is looking at uh, choices that fictional characters made and being like, whoa. 
wow, I made better choices than that person. Hell yeah, escapism, man. Uh, and so that would be uh, Artemis by Andy Weir. Uh, and it is read by Rosaria Dawson and it is about a con artist who lives on the moon. And it's amazing. Our queen, Rosario Dawson. She's just so good. Oh, I man. just, I want to see that movie. Basically, if you like The Martian, which was also written by Andy Weir, and you thought mm, a little less Matt Damon little and a little bit jokes. more Rosaria Dawson. There you go. That's what you get. It's perfect. Artemis is a great book to pick up for the new year. I love that idea. I think I may put that next on my uh, on my queue. Good choice. But in the meantime, y'all, check out audible.com slash spirits. Thank you again to Audible for sponsoring us. And now let's get back to the show. Eric, what do you got for us? This comes from Donna, and it is titled, I have a couple stories to share. So we're going to get a, a twofer here. Ooh, Ooh, I love a good twofer. She says, the first is sort of like an urban legend, but the only place it was passed down was at camp I went to a few summers here in Middle Tennessee. Is that the name of the town is just Middle? No, Julia, like the middle oh, okay. of the state. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that is a distinct named town. That would be a highly, uh, a highly confusing town name. <laughs> yeah, Middle, good old Middle Tennessee. It was originally a clean air camp during the time tuberculosis was a huge problem. There's a trail you could take about a 20-minute hike up the mountain into the woods into a graveyard where they buried patients who had died there. I was going to ask why the graveyard was so far away, but it makes sense now that we're talking about t- tuberculosis, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't want to bury those bodies close to the no, town. Exactly. No, you don't. Cool, cool. I especially remember a headstone inscribed as Unknown Boy. Aww. Aww. Anyway, the story was told around the camp that night because, of course, it was. This was several years ago. I can't remember all the details, but these sorts of stories always go through a telephone game of variation anyways. The story goes for our amusement later. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. The story goes that a caretaker at the tuberculosis camp was out in the woods one night looking for a child that had wandered off and gotten lost. He was walking along the railroad track that ran through the forest and was intent on his search that he didn't notice that the train had come barreling straight towards him until it was too late. He managed to jump out of the way, but his leg was caught and crushed. I know one no. thing about trains. You don't you don't get a leg crushed from a trade. It's it's typically yeah, it bust, feels like it's a sort of vortex situation where you, yeah you like it's all it all nothing. gets pulled in. Yeah. yeah. He struggled Oof. to drag himself back to camp, but he died before mm-hmm. he could escape the woods. The child was never found. They say that sometimes during night you can still hear Stomper stumbling through the forest, the stomp <gasps> of one foot and the drag of the other. Oh no. Stomp drag is bad. Oh, that's bad. That reminds me of a, a story that we would tell yes. in like elementary school sleepovers. sleepovers. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the actual story of it, but the like premise of it is thump, thump, drag, thump, yeah. thump, drag. Oh, yeah, I know and something you would, like, like a, that, too. You would go around the circle sort of like duck, duck, goose style and like drag across the person's back. You know, it was very scary. It was creepy. Yeah. No, Ugh. there was definitely like a story to it though. Like, someone, yeah, I don't remember. Like someone's in a bag and it's a bloody bag and the bags being dragged up a stairs or something like that. that I don't oh remember. Like, no, thump, I know what thump. you're talking about, but I can't remember. <gasps> yeah. I'm going to look it up at some point. Yikes. Yeah. I like that. This one really had a twist to it because you thought it was going to be the kid. Yeah. And then it ends up being the but guy no. that went looking for the kid. Oof. Oof. Here's the second part from Donna. The other thing I have is some things that my best friend and his family experienced in his childhood home, which they only moved out of last year. It was a pretty old house. I can't exactly remember when it was built. Even before his older sister was born, his mom would hear the faint but unmistakable sounds of a baby crying. Not good. Should have sold the house. Not good. Way before last year. (laughs) You fucked up. (laughs) That was that was that was our editorializing on 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 some uh, on some retail decisions your friend's family made. Hold on, I, I really got to pause and ask: Would you guys buy a house that was said to be haunted? Yes. No. I think it, for me, it, it depends on the nature of the haunting. If it's like a benevolent, cool ghost, or like a, a you know old Victorian wife who like died prosperous after being a, a widower for or a widow for a long mm-hmm. time, or uh, like a scary single spinster lady, I'd be <laughs> like, you were probably a lesbian. Like, welcome. Yes, yes, this is your people. We can all enjoy this but house like, together. We can all agree we wouldn't buy 
the Amityville heart. Nope. I'm not going <laughs> to say that because I would. I would buy the house. There hasn't really been any haunting since that like traditional thing. Yes, but Julie, they would come and haunt you specifically. That's fine. Bring it on. <laughs> I don't mind the demon ghost pig in my house. That's cool with me. Wh- what? Do you, do you? I literally told you this story no, last no, year. I'm just, I'm incredulous <laughs> that you would accept that presence in your home. Yeah, it's cool. Like there's a little pig running around. It's very important for the yes. life of the podcast that you not be killed by a ghost. So <laughs> I can make no promises unless <laughs> you're able to come back in a corporeal form and be the first ghost to podcast. Now, Eric, just true. wait until we do a Ouija board episode and I make Amanda and I summon like the spaghetti ghost or something like that. No. No, it's no. going to happen. No, no, no. Yeah. When we make our Patreon goal and fly to Akron to go to the spaghetti warehouse, we will do a Ouija board together and live stream it. Donna continues, they would also hear horses whinnying, but the house was in a suburban neighborhood. But Ooh. most significantly, there were countless sightings of a ghost named Meredith. She would always appear in a white nightgown, only ever in the peripheral vision. And sometimes Ooh. just a presence you could feel in the room. She was kind and quiet and only ever scary once. See, Amanda, this is your type of ghost. Yeah. This yeah. is the ghost that you would buy a haunted house for. Exactly. Cool. And I would just like give her her own quarter. She could have the attic. She could have whatever. Put some books up there, some offerings, some herbs. I don't know. Some like topical magazines, like catch up with what's up in the news. I don't know. Fair enough. That'd be some a good ghost. That's nice magazines. of you for Maris. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to those evergreen magazines. The newest issue of Bazaar. As <laughs> opposed to the ones that you find in dentist's office. Uh, yeah, the Highlights <laughs> magazine from 1995. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's a good issue. The, what are those Goofus and Gallant going to get up to next? <laughs> oh, God. Those word searches, man. Gotta love them. She appeared in plain sight in front of the mom's ex-husband one day, right around when he really started showing how awful he was. She was wearing a flowing blue dress and her hair was done up neatly. She stared at him with anger in her eyes. I don't know what else she said to him, but that's how they know her name was Meredith, because she told him. Okay, so interestingly, Meredith, who's normally seen in a white dressing gown, yeah. dressed up real nice to go like tell this ex-husband that he's a douchebag. Yeah, she's presenting her best self for her haunting, which I think is just honestly a really good philosophy for life. Just goals. Like you go out to break up with someone, look your best. Mm-hmm. You go out to like tell off a sexist boss of yours and quit look your best. Mm-hmm. You like run into someone you wanted to date in high school, but never got to on the Long Island Railroad. Hopefully you're looking your best and not in your sweatpants because you're going home to visit your parents for the weekend. Hopefully all those things are true for all of us on this call. But also let's just note that like, I love that most ghosts are found in like long pajamas or otherwise like flowing garments. Like you well, gotta be comfortable. In. Be comfortable in your afterlife, yo. Usually when you're like dying of dysentery or something, they dress you in like... You yeah, know, your bed clothes. Classic consumption. Classic. Fair enough. Whatever it was she said, it definitely was a threat. They think her appearance to him was a warning, like she knew that he was about to show his true colors and want to scare him off. It's also unlikely he made the sighting up as he had no previous knowledge that the house was haunted. And like shitty ex-husbands are not in the business of like telling cool stories, right? That's true. Yeah. Thank wow. you for your for your letter, Donna. Yeah, Thank Donna, you, Donna, that was badass. Julia, what is your next letter? I actually have one uh, from China. Ooh. And this is from Weishi. Uh, and Weishi says, I'm listening to the Urban Legends episode right now, and I'm reminded of a story that my grandma told me when I was three to four years old. She must have told me many times because even to this day, I'm 28 years old now, some of the details and imagery are still vivid in my mind. Mm. The story goes that there's a pair of siblings, older sister and younger brother, who live with their grandma in the mountains. They're both pretty young, around 10 years old. One evening, they come home late from their nightly chores and find that Granny is acting oddly, but they didn't think much of it. They went to bed as usual, but in the middle of the night, the sister was woken by some loud crunching noises. She called out to Granny and asked her what's going on. Granny replies and says she got hungry and got some nuts to snack on. So the sister went back to bed. A little later, she was woken again, and this time she decided to turn on the lights and found Granny chewing on her little brother's toes. Uh, In parentheses, way she says, I'm assuming that the brother was already dead. (laughs) Fair enough. Good assumption. I hope so. She ran from the house screaming. 
Turned out Granny was a witch who has the shape of a bear, don't ask me why, and she had already eaten their real grandmother earlier in the day. (gasps) My grandma finished the story by telling me if I misbehaved, Bear Granny would come for me. I was scared of the slightest noise in the dark for a really long time. Uh, Way she continues, I've always thought that this was just some crazy story my grandma made up to scare me, kind of like Little Red Riding Hood. I even told it to my boyfriend a couple of years ago, and now he makes fun of me for it. When I thought of sending you the story, I decided to search it online to see if there's any record of it. Turns out it's actually an urban legend from Sichuan, my home province in China, and apparently people tell it to their children to put them to sleep. Yikes. Uh, And then they send us the Chinese language Wikipedia for it because there is not a translated version. Wow. Um, And that's it. There's compliments at the end that I will spare our listeners from hearing. (laughs) That is dope as fuck. Thank you, Aishi. I'm not sure if I want to have kids but i sure do want to be a grandma that tells terrifying stories i mean that's the ideal right yeah i, I want to put uh bear granny and um and bloody bones grandpa together just to tell me <laughs> good good stories yeah to do like an oral history story core version you know I'm into uh, it. that'd be so good well, I actually have a letter here from Korea. So we're staying in, uh, in East Asia here. Sweet. So this is Jesse writing in from Toronto, Ontario with a family story. So her mom grew up in a tiny, poor village in South Korea that worked very hard to piece itself back together after years of war and Japanese occupation. Mm -hmm. In the 1940s, one of the town's greatest tragedies was a pillaging by Japanese soldiers, which left most of the homes destroyed and five young women were taken by Japanese soldiers. None were ever seen again. The town mourned their loss for many years, and a rumor had it that two of the women were tortured to death and the remaining three executed for rebelling and trying to Oof. escape, uh, which, is, uh, which is super tragic. Mm-hmm. So when um, Jesse's mom was a child, the community came together to put up a beautiful shrine for the lost women. People began to leave gifts and offerings to it, which led to the beginning of strange occurrences around the village. Ooh. The soil became seemingly more fertile. Chickens laid more eggs. Those sort of things. Some claimed to see their ghosts at night, which was concerning at first. Korean ghosts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be a little concerning. <laughs> at but listen, first. there's a twist. Okay. So Korean ghosts, known as Kuishin, generally stay on Earth for two reasons. Either they have unfinished business like revenge, or their spirits are so strong of will that they refuse to go to the afterworld and choose to remain on Earth by their own accord. Same. Same. Nice. At first, people were worried that the lost women's ghosts were angry spirits, hoping for revenge on the soldiers that took their lives. The village cried that even in the afterlife, this woman could not find peace. This idea began to change, though, as more good things happened to the village, which Aww. is the opposite from what, how you normally hear this, uh, this story go. Yeah. But the good things especially happened to women in the village. Sweet. There was an instance where a drunk and violently abusive husband had seen the cuisine of the women one night. The next morning, he bowed before his wife in apology, begging for her forgiveness. Damn right. He said that the cuisine had made him realize the error of his ways and with the help of family and friends, began to stop drinking and started meditating to calm his temper. Fam! What? That's the ideal. Uh, Some best ghosts of all time. The lost women began to be seen as the protectors of the village's girls and women. They even saved the life of Jesse's mother. Sweet! In her early teens, she had developed some sort of illness. The doctors of the village were not educated like those from the bigger cities, so the diagnosis was unclear, but it had something to do with her back and lungs. It was labeled as being terminal, which, like, wow, what a diagnosis to make, shit. Uh, And her family was too poor to get her the treatments or medication from Seoul that could potentially save her life. The sad reality is that there was no hope for my mother, and for fear of the illness being something contagious like TB, uh, Jesse's grandparents had no choice but to abandon her mom. They left her in a shack at the outskirts of the village with a month's supply of food and water, as she was only expected to live another month. This is something that she almost never talks about, for it was such a sad point in her childhood. But one thing she shared was how she got better. Which, like, ugh, I, I like have to pause for a second and say, like, I cannot imagine living through something no, like that. No, it's horrifying. Whew, I'm really glad that she is with us today. So Jesse's mom said that she was there in her solitude, and she would see what she believed were the ghosts of the lost women and hear them sing lullabies to her. She said that whenever they were near, she would feel completely at ease and peaceful. At the same time, teachers at her mother's school, who are all women, began having weird dreams night after night. She isn't entirely sure what happened next, but somehow the school managed to have a doctor come from Seoul with medicine to see the mother. 
She was treated and has been a pinnacle of health ever since. Wow. Jessie's maternal grandmother to this day praises the lost women for returning her eldest daughter to her. That's a great story. It is. And there is a, uh, a PS here. Go for it. So fast forward to Jessie's birth. There were severe complications when her mother was pregnant with her. Everything that could have gone wrong seemingly did go wrong because her mom was 42 years old when she conceived. Mm -hmm. Her doctor first told her that she was very likely to miscarry. After months, she was warned of the possibility of a stillbirth or having a baby with severe or lethal birth defects. Still, month after month, she kept me until the night before she went into labor. She claims that she heard whispers of women saying she can't breathe in Korean in dreams to her. When she woke up, her water broke and she got rushed to the hospital. Uh, her mother, whose English was not perfect at the time, kept telling the doctors, can't breathe, can't breathe, and refused to cooperate with them. They assumed she was having a panic attack, but after talking to her and my dad, decided to give her a C-section instead. Turns out that Jessie's umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. Holy crap. And if her mom had tried to have a natural birth, she would have suffocated. <gasps> So her mother used to tell her that the only reason she was alive is because of the protection of the, a Korean word I'm not going to sing, which translates to lost women. So the village, which uh, Jessie's mom has never told her the name of, no longer exists as all the occupants have since moved away. But all the women who had originally lived there still strongly believe in the protection of the lost women and pass down their legacy to their daughters. I literally have chills. That is so fucking amazing. That's an amazing story. Yeah, so I like that it's a lot of I like it that it's spirits interacting with other people to help the people of the village. Yeah, we we don't get a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really, really is, especially like something that the spirit world could have access to. Like, you know, you don't know what's going on with an unborn child, you know, it and, and just kind of intervening in fate in a way that is constructive instead of destructive mm -hmm. yeah. is just a really lovely plot twist, especially yeah. for a town that had like suffered so hugely, you know, at the hands of like war and politics and human cruelty um, to have their own kind of rogue band of like women whose lives were ended because of violence and said, you know what? Fuck you. Everyone here is going to live, you know, and just like made it happen. Yeah. Ugh, it's amazing. Whew. Yeah, I'm like left a little speechless from that one. Not going to lie. I know. Whew. Eric, do you have a myth to end on? I do. So our last story comes from Katie and it is entitled Tall Bet. B-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. Like, like Bet Midler. Midler. Hey, yeah. can you tell that we're theater kids? So this is a scary story slash creature thing that as far as we can tell only exists in our family since we found no evidence of it online or if others in the community way back then did tell it, it died out. Uh, can we just pause for a second and ask what like weird shit does your family do or say that no one else does? For example, in my family, uh, if if like dinner was being prepared and it was like 20 minutes till dinner, but you were really, really hungry and just wanted like two bites of food to satisfy yourself, that was called a smack roll. And a smack like, roll's okay. a thing. Yeah, no, a smack a roll's a thing. What? Yeah, I'm 100% really? a yeah. thing. Really? Yeah, no, yeah. A, smack roll, a smack roll is a very small portion of food. Oh, yeah. thank God. I've always thought that we were just like freaking bizarre and just said stuff. Nah. Uh, well, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, here's, okay, here, well, here's is, here is a weird thing. So growing up, my mother's family always used bushel baskets as laundry hampers. Okay. Okay. So my mom only ever referred to laundry hampers as bushel baskets so <laughs> oh no until like legitimately less than a year ago i didn't know that like like i knew that it was just like a thing that we said but i'd never put it together like uh -huh. i would always like say laundry hamper to like you don't say laundry hamper to a lot of people very often so like it's, it's <laughs> not something normies. that typically, typically like could come up an embarrassing thing but then she was like oh yeah like at dinner what i just like oh yeah i always you everyone always says bushel basket even though a bushel basket is just a big wooden basket that you would put like apples in but like her family <laughs> just used one for laundry so it was always called that even though we have like plastic ones that aren't bushel baskets in any ways i still call laundry hampers bushel baskets that's so funny. That reminds me of, I mean, my family doesn't, not that I know of, doesn't do anything like <laughs> super weird. Nothing comes to mind at least. Uh, but it remind that reminds me of like the fact that people who learn, um, uh, like their parents' native language yeah. as a secondary language. Oh my God, this is a Tumblr post, right? Yeah. It was so funny. Uh, and it, one of them was, I think it was about Farsi. 
and mm-hmm. they um they're sitting at dinner with their parents one night and the mother asks for the spatula or the something the tongs yeah. and uses a word that the girl associated with the word remote control <laughs> and it turns out that the word just means like thingamajig yeah yeah so her parents had called her the remote control like in farsi thingamabob mm-hmm. and so she's always like oh yes scientifically the television and it's thingamabob you yes. know <laughs> and just never known that reminds me of someone i don't remember who it was but like someone i know used the word spatula for just like <laughs> anything they didn't really know the name for so like they called the remote control once a spatula i'm, I'm like the, I'm, I'm sorry it's in the kitchen they're like no it's right in front of you just hand me the spatula i'm like what that's that what cannot be true about? i, I think it was one that. of your roommates i remember yes. that i remember that happening 100 was a that's thing that's the craziest thing i've ever heard where it's oh just like God. their parents would use the word spatula when they didn't know the word for something. There's probably an inside joke that got twisted. I guess so. I can't handle That's when people wild, call video though. game controllers remotes. Ooh. Like, it's just like, what? It's no, it's called I a sometimes controller. Do that. Like, it's not like, it's uh, unacceptable. <laughs> just a truly unacceptable thing. Especially when it's wired, like it's not remote. It's not away from the unit. Like it's it's a it's a controller Who the fuck of the uses action. Wired controllers anymore? Amanda. Oh my god! The whole point is that they're wireless. Now. I don't know, babe. I don't play video games. Mm. Maybe through the magic of the internet, some listeners could find this story somewhere else. So my descendants settled in Texas back in the day after the Civil War, and they lived in an area slash on land that my family still owns near Lampasas. The story goes that the parents used to tell the kids not to stray from the house after dark or else Tall Bet would get them. Tall Bet was a humongous woman who waits in the woods waiting for lonesome children. Same. She is so huge. (laughs) She is so huge and rough that her legs bend in and look exactly like trees, and you wouldn't know she's there until she scoops you up. So she's a giant tree lady. I love it. And if she scoops you up, you better get away quick because she wears an apron with pockets that are so deep it's impossible to climb out of. I think the implication is that she will eat you or you'll suffocate in her <laughs> giant pockets. Unsure, oh no. but I think it's better left to the imagination. I just like the idea of Tall Bet uh, picking up children and being like, this one's cute. I'm going to save it for later and just put it in her pocket. <laughs> I'm picturing like giant Brienne of Tarth as a kangaroo. <laughs> Why? Oh, because pockets? Kangaroo pocket. Uh, yeah. It's, it's an apron. It's not part of her. I know, but like a tree sized lady with a big, like bigger on the inside pocket. I love it. I'm not going to play with you on this one. All right. <laughs> the story was told to my mom and uncles by their grandfather and they would tell it to me and my cousins whenever we were at the ranch. I love a good uh, grandparent who tells creepy stories. Just sign me up for him. That's Goals. the theme of this episode, I guess. Goals. Yeah. And apparently when my great-grandfather was a little kid, he stayed out a bit too late one day. So his sister took a broom and an apron and tromped through the field, holding it up to, and scared him shitless. Oh my God. They lived in pretty small communities, so I guess it makes sense that I've never heard it anywhere else. But I can't help but wonder if Tall Bet is just something their parents made up or if it's actually had a longer or bigger history. I think that Tall Bet and Bloody Bones share a lot of similarities. Ooh. Okay. Explain. Tell me. Okay. I think that they could be like the darker and lighter version of a, a very similar myth. You've got okay. <laughs> a very large creature. It scoops you up. Bloody Bones attaches the children to itself. That's yes, true. Yes, it does. Big bet. Tall bet. <laughs> tall bet. <laughs> Big bet. Puts you in an apron, kind of consuming you in some sense. Like, they're not identical. They both inv- they both involve being s- staying out past dark. Like it's yeah. then there's like three or four pretty similar parts to those two myths. So maybe there's some kind of origin of these kind of large thing in the woods that's going to consume you. Get you. And people have taken it a lot of different ways. Yeah, it's definitely following the uh, the traditional kind of boogeyman, bugbear yeah. in the woods approach. Right. Um, which is a big monster that is going to eat children that disobey 
you know, their parents. Yeah. Even like a werewolf or a vampire or something that's going to like, you know, prey on the vulnerable in the darkness, you know, make you different, either transform you or take you or eat you or whatever. Um, but I, I think it's a really interesting thing. I mean, maybe when my kids are like, you know, running around, staying out too late and I want to go to sleep, you know, and, and have to kind of scare them to coming back in, uh, maybe, something like that will present itself in, in our adulthoods. Yeah. And it's a superhuman thing to be afraid of the woods at night. That's yeah. just, there's scary shit out there. Bad stuff happens. Yeah. Which I think almost all of our stories kind of touched on that. But in yeah. this case, I love the detail of the apron. Like that is so, yeah, it's very that nice. is so unique. I love the name. Like we hear the name Mary a lot, but mm-hmm. I feel like Bet is a really interesting I don't know. Change it's very southern, and uh, it, it is, and also just like a giant lady. Like so am I. I yeah. would also be scary in the woods if you saw me. I and your legs look like trees. My, my legs do look like trees. Thank you, Julia. I am a size twelve <laughs> women's shoe. What do you want? <laughs> anyway, tall bet goals. Yeah, I want my legs to look. Thank like you trees. so much, Katie. That was that was great. That was great. Thank you to everybody who sent in your urban legends. If you have sent them and we haven't replied, I promise you we got it. I promise you we read it and we loved it. And we are saving them all for future episodes. Mm -hmm. That's true. We go through them all and we pick some ones that we like, but there's always other ones that we just don't have time to do. So we love them. We read them. I wake up and read and read them like right away and then think about them as I stare out the window of the subway, like a little bit worried for my safety. And I wouldn't have it any other way. So, uh, listeners, when you are on your elementary school survival trip in the Alaskan <laughs> wilderness, just remember. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.